This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Listening to Ashburn Millwall Emergency Broadcasting Special, a public service broadcast made on behalf of the Real Millwall Fan Show and Ashburn Millwall, broadcasting from South Bermondsey. Well, hello and welcome to part two of this very special interview with Lions legend and Republic of Ireland international goalkeeper David Ford. This is the second part, the first edition could be found at Achtung Millwall, edition 238. Yeah, well, going back uh, throughout that season, we were, as I said earlier, we were fifth. Then all of a sudden, the uh, the wheels started to come off. And then all of a sudden, we, we caught a thread in the FA Cup. We um, beat Villa at home, which was mm. a fantastic night. Danny Great night, yeah. It was phenomenal. I can still see him rising like a salmon and absolutely thumping at home. Yeah. And and even that night, like Charles and Thugbia, who was on like 60, 70 grand a year, there was a, a free kick wide out on the touchline and he wouldn't go out and take it. He made uh, Eric uh, Bannon. Um, Bannon go out and take the free kick. He Barry was, Bannon, yeah. Bannon, yeah. He was like, you go and take it. I'm not going out there, he said. You know, <laughs> Blue Gary Roberts vibes. So, you know, to get a Premier League club like that down to the den, and that just shows you the uh, the intensity of the support. But when when they're behind you, it's there's there's no better place. It's such an, uh, an amazing experience. So then we go up to Blackburn. We had them at home. It was a decent enough game. Bit cagey. No one wanted to lose. Um, and then we had a, a huge victory um, up up at Ewood Park to get yeah. the semis. But unfortunately, we picked up a lot of injuries. I think Liam Trotter got injured. Um, Sean St. Ledger ended up playing holding midfield. It was like, it was a team that was basically put together. But I definitely feel if we had uh, the teams that we had in the previous the previous games, we definitely would have went toe-to-toe with Wigan on, on that day. So that was, that was bitterly disappointing. And like that as well, um, what went on off the pitch. And uh, as you said, you know, it's unfortunate at times from Millwall that, these things seem to get highlighted more than, than any other club. I remember seeing an interesting stat years ago when I first went to the club that, you know, Millwall has one arrest, yet it's all over the papers and places like Man United and these clubs get 80, 90 arrests at every game and there's not a dicky bird said. 
No, it's um, it's a it's a fact of life. I think the name the name attracts the attention sometimes. Yeah. Um. I mean, that was 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 that Kenny Jackett's last season? I think that season he left very shortly um, after the end of that campaign. I, I wonder how that hit the squad when he decided to leave. Was there a sense of um, surprise in 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 the side or? Yeah. Was it- I, Did I you see it spot any, any signs, you know? Um, the first sign I seen was actually at the, the Player of the Year Awards um, at the Den. Um, mm. I forget who got Player of the Year that year. And uh, I remember just looking around at Kenny and he, he just seemed um, uh, very distant. And I just thought, you know what, things aren't uh, things don't seem to be right here. And I think it was a day or two afterwards that he announced his, uh, he resigned. And he yeah. just felt that he got the club as, as, as far as he could get them. And, uh, you know, Kenny was, Kenny was fantastic. I think he's a fantastic manager and we had some, some great times and like that as well. We had some, some up and downs at the club as well. Like so, but, uh, it was a great time. Great manager, Kenny Jackett. I mean, he's gone on to show how good a manager is at uh, Pompey and, um, and other, other places too. He's, he's, he's one of the best in the game, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, we, we didn't come on to a fairly tumultuous season, Dave. I can't wait for this. I just wanted to hear how Nick would bring this up. <laughs> uh, I, I'm tentatively um, bringing us on to the, uh, the tumult of, of, of the following season. Um, I mean, obviously, it was you're on the inside, so you know, uh, uh, you know, it will look different to perhaps to how it does from the um, from the outside looking on. But it seemed like the club was. Um, slightly spinning out of control at times than some of the management choices and some of the um some of the decision making seemed a little erratic at times is that diplomatically put do you think um yeah it was a it was a very interesting time because you're going for someone that gave so much stability was kenny there six years something like that yeah six years and he gave so much stability and so much great such great success to the club and then i suppose the club went in search of um a young enthusiast, enthusiastic manager in Steve Lomas who had his ideas and how the game was was to be played. Yeah. And, you know, I remember speaking to Steve um, out in my back garden in the summer and he was he was asking me about certain players. I won't say any names. No, no. Um, and I, I just said to him that, look, I said, as a Millwall manager, you got to be really specific in, in the talent that you identified to bring to the club. They, they have to fit. You know the the style and the way the club is, and um, they have to em, em, embrace the culture. Um, and I think he just made a couple of wrong signings that he fully didn't understand what Millwall is like, and uh, it's uh, it's it's got its own individuality, and as well as any other club, but definitely Millwall is definitely um, you know it's it's uh, it's a club like unlike anywhere I've ever been at. And then obviously he gets sacked in. I think he got sacked on Boxing Day. We just got yeah Christmas. Yeah, we got beat. Yeah, yeah. Beat against Watford. What, what, actually, you know what, David? It's very interesting. You say that. You know, we talk about that cliche, that football cliche. Of he lost the dressing room. Was that true with Lomas? Had he lost the dressing room? Um, I find sometimes I I, I often wonder about that. You know, losing the dressing room. Um, and I think a lot, a lot of the times it's where uh, players do lose, I suppose, um, confidence. They lose, they lose confidence in in their their own ability and confidence in in the manager and some of the decisions he's actually making and stuff. 
Um, I don't think it's it's anything that, and it does probably happen at clubs as well, where there is major disagreements and, and, and teams bust up and there's a couple of incidences like that. You're not going to get on with absolutely everyone. Mm. But the, the, the more people you have on side, the, the you know, together everyone attains more. And um, for for Steve, it was uh, it was always a battle and a challenge. He was always trying to, and he was he was a young manager himself. He he never managed at that level before in the championship, so it was a big challenge for him as well. I, I don't think he he lost the changing room. Everyone had massive respect for him, but it was just uh, you know in terms of um, there's a number of factors coming into play, whether it's you know. Um, tactics whether it's your fitness and how things are conducted on and off the pitch that people um stop buying into it uh, how did how did you feel that david because he he talked to you in the summer as you said you know you're in your back garden he's talking to you i'm gonna bring xyz in and then he goes and signs Stephen bywater and you must be thinking well mate what are you doing i didn't i didn't expect i thought you're bringing in a striker or something and you know not not a, a keeper to try and replace me no, it was never. It was never. It was never the case because um, I'm. I'm not foolish, or I'm, I'm not. Um, I'm aware enough to know that as as a footballing club, you're always going to have to have competition. You're always going to have to deal with that. That was never anything. You know, the, the manager is only looking out for the best of the club and the club's interest in that. And it's. It really comes down to how I, I handle that situation. You know, am I going to be competitive in it? You know, I'm I'm in competition. I'm in, I'm I'm competitive, but I'm not in competition with you. You know, I want to be, and I am the number one. So it was it was down for me to, you know, it was my my ownership of the jersey that it really mattered. It didn't matter whether it was the manager or the club or whatever else. And there was times in my career I made that mistake where I turned it into something that it wasn't. Um, and that's not healthy for the team. It's not healthy for the management. It's not healthy for the club when that dynamic happens because ultimately it's about understanding one, your individuality, but yet you're a part of the collective. I listened to uh, a famous quote there and they said, you know, the strength of the pack is in the wolf and the strength of the wolf is in the pack. And when we embrace that type of um, culture in a team, then we have a different, different outcome, you know, because it's, it's, we all want to play. We all want a part of it. And then our egos kick in. And that's where that's where that's where conflict, that's where separation comes in, and nobody gets ahead. But it's the teams that can, you know, build that esprit de corps, that can get that core group together and really push in the right direction. Then, then great things can happen. Because uh, that's all I ever wanted. All I ever wanted was was um, the best for the club and the best for the team. And everything I did at Millwall was always in that in in from that mindset. You know, whether it was trying to implement certain um, things at the training ground, whether it was better food, better kit. I was always striving, striving for that. Um, so like that, when, when he spoke to me about certain strikers or players, um, I, I just thought, look, I, I, all I can do is, you know, respectfully give you my opinion. And at the end of the day, you're the manager, you're the decision maker. I'm not going to take that personal. Mm-hmm. Don't take things personal. That's, that's your choice and your decision. You know, you're the one that lives and, and dies by the sword. All I can do is speak my truth and, and say what I feel. And if you don't take it, you know, and, and that's what I feel. There's a big problem with managers today. They get people on side and they're all yes men. And then that leads to, um, that leads to uh, you know, managers getting sacked in, in absolute uh, quick time. And 
I definitely feel if, if it is the case is that look if, if I was ever to and, and even in my own company at the moment and I've always said that what I've learned from football is look I, I'm so open to challenge and feedback I'd rather hear it if you disagree with it please tell me please say it it doesn't mean I'm actually going to take it personal and use it against you but I'll take it on board and but that's my my priority that's my um, responsibility to take that on board and make a decision from there. Um, that was an interesting season, actually. I was just looking at the results as you as you're speaking. I mean, we had some horrendous results um, from the end of Lomas. I think Neil Harris took briefly control, and then Ian Holloway arrived. But really, until last maybe seven, uh, eight games of the season, we were we were really struggling that year. Um, and then somehow we pulled form together at the death of the season. One thing I've always wanted to ask or know is is what happens when what what turns a situation around because you know you, you see a whole series of losses and the odd draw and one lone win here and there and then suddenly we went unbeaten from I think it was Blackburn uh, home draw against Blackburn we go unbeaten with four wins to to save our save our, our skins in in the championship what what sparks that kind of revival is there does it does it does it kind of take hold organically, or is it is it is it, is it like this is it like a an inspirational moment? How does it work in in the dressing room? Yeah, I totally get that. And for me, it's commitment because if if you're with any successful team and they're doing well, everyone's bought into it. Everyone's committed a hundred percent to it. Um, and oftentimes, when you're in a relegation battle, um, and going gets tough and the tough gets going, you know. Mm people that want to tap out and they get their eyes turned and twisted and they think, right, I can, if this, if the worst comes here, I can move on or, you know, I can move to this club and et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then all of a sudden a new manager comes in and he instills that, right, this is what we have moving forward. Then he's got a sense of buy-in from all the players that, right, we're actually in this for livelihoods. This is, this is what we're fighting for. We're fighting for the club's um, survival at, at this level and for our own livelihoods and then there's it was just something that that clicked that everyone just clicked into gear that it was absent all season that you know even with uh, Steve Lomas's additions it never really gelled that team bond never really really clicked so something happened that season and you know it's often times when you're in the dark night of the soul that there's nowhere else to go you can't get any further so there's always a stage in the season where a sense of resilience kicked back in and the human spirit kicks into it and all of a sudden is right, we've got that bit between our teeth and we get a decent result, the draw, and that gives you a bit more belief. Then you go on to get a win and then confidence starts to build and you start to actually realise, right, this is um this is this this is possible. But it all comes down to confidence. You know, yeah. confidence in, in football is everything. And uh, to get confidence first we have to have clarity. So when the management and the leaders come into it, if they, if they can uh, deliver that sense of clarity in what we were going to do. And Ian Holloway had a specific way of playing. I thoroughly enjoyed my time working with Ali and I enjoyed the way we played, certainly from that end of that season, right up till probably Christmas, till the, 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 to the demise of his, of his reign. Yeah. And we're playing some fantastic football. You know, the brand of football, I remember the 1-0 away win at Fulham. I remember we went over to Middlesbrough and we started to adopt a new style. You know, it wasn't so much your 4-4-2, get it long, get it wide, balls into the box. You know, we were playing some some like top-end top football. And uh, so, yeah, like that, he brought he gave us a real sense of clarity and it just took time to implement his changes. 
and the boys all bought into it and then all of a sudden yeah confidence started to build and um we started to to, to do really well i think it was probably ian holloway's finest moment as a mill manager when you look back at the at the you know the kind of bigger picture of it all and, and the following season as you say i mean it was a great win at fulham i was there that day it was a fantastic day a win over leeds on on the first day of the season um and then it seemed to the wheels seemed to come off somehow um I mean, I'm interested in what what goes wrong. I mean, the, the, I suppose we're touching on similar issues to, to the one we mentioned with Steve Lomas in a way, but um, it's the, the season seemed to get away from Ian Holloway and he never quite recovered his position after some actually promising performances um, at the end of the previous season, the start of the new one, 2014-15. Yeah, I can, I, can, I can kind of recollect that time because we, we were flying high. We were in the top top five I think at the time yeah yeah well three wins to start the season and we've gone away and international duty and I think it might have been October I think it was the October it was way in August yeah it was about September October one of one of those times and everyone's in a good place I think we won that weekend we've gone away and come back and then something had shifted within the within the changing room and the training ground and there just seemed to be a whole load of carnage and stuff and then when I started to kind of sift through it after being away for 10, 11 days um, on international duty, and I started to come back in. And then what happened was, I think Ian had gone away for a spell at that time. And I don't think something, whatever happened within within the changing room and within the, the club at that stage, it seemed to have huge ramifications. And he never seemed to really recover after that. And... Um, it was it was it was it was hard to to see that in the end, like you know, because he did start to make some rash choices and rash decisions, um, trying to rescue that, and uh, you know, it, it didn't pay off in the end. And then, unfortunately, he he lost his job. One of the things I mean, I'm, I'm not re-watching some of the interviews before before we spoke tonight. Um, I think you you probably deal with this in with your your the company now, but. Um, the pressure that is in the game, the pressure to succeed, pressure on players, and pressure on managers to produce results. It's it's an unforgiving business because your your work is on public display uh, weekly or fortnightly as, as as fans attend, and you know people are very quick to tell you where you're going wrong, aren't they? It, it must be it must feel quite a lonely profession at times. Yeah, it's it's constant uh, scrutiny, and. You know, when I started to understand personal development and the power of unconditional support, that really transformed um, me as a person and how I performed as well, holistically and through everything else. Um, And it is difficult. It is difficult that you're in, you know, you're in the age of information now. You know, there's there's no hiding place. No. You've got media, you've got uh, social media, you've got press, papers, TV. Um, fans, everything, you know, that one thing with footballers is we we never go out not to give a bad performance. And, and sometimes it's just not not your case. But yeah. the one thing I learned from Millwall is that um, Millwall fans are very forgiven. And why they're very forgiven is, is if you show, you know, if you give that 100%, if you put your heart on the sleeve, no more. I, I've never experienced something like this before in my life was, we played, do you remember the game we played uh, Birmingham and we got beat 7-0 and we had two sent off? <laughs> I'll, ne- I'll never forget it. <laughs> the ovation after the game. We got a standing ovation coming off that pitch after the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because yeah. nine players on the pitch just gave it absolutely everything. I think I was playing sweeper, right back, <laughs> up like, 
<laughs> and uh, I've never been so tired coming off a pitch in all my life. And just to walk off that pitch and, and to see the fans standing and applauding your efforts was was truly amazing. So I, I, I definitely I definitely think that, you know, number one requirement, you go to Millwall, you, you put your work in. But in terms of, of the scrutiny and, and how to how to manage that, um, and for me, it was what, what blew my mind was um, when I started to understand about, you know, emotional intelligence, understanding our uh, self-awareness and our self-regulation and how that impacts our, our motivation and ultimately with um, dealing with empathy and, and working with, you know, our social skills and how we interact with our teammates, how we interact with ourselves. So I really started to delve deep into that. And I started to understand the dynamics of that and the, the, the power of the mind. And when a lot of the times as footballers, we often feel we've got unfinished business. And we go into this false sense of um, this pursuit of um, perfection. And perfection is, is unattainable. It's unachievable. Where really the pursuit is excellence, is, is trying to be better than you were yesterday or better than the man that's beside you. And then you have a healthier dynamic going on. You start to understand it. And then you start to understand the fans. And then all of a sudden, it's not me against the fans. And football clubs do that. You know, they, they galvanize teams and, and individuals and players as if us against the fans, where really we're all part of the whole. We're all part of the one club. We should be embracing that. as, as a, and, and when that happens, there's, there's such an empowerment for everybody in that. Then there's a whole different type of connection. So um, in terms of, in terms of uh, as you said, you know, to be, to be a goalkeeper, it is, it is a, l- a lonely role. A lonely profession. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But, you know, it's, it's one that if it's, it's worked on, you can have, have great success. And there's, you know, it's such a, such a, it's an art, you know, the art of goalkeeping. Your last, well, your last appearance for the club came the following season, 2015-16, which is a difficult one for you. Um Jordan Archer had arrived. Um, how, how did how did that feel? Did you feel like your your time was coming to an end at the club, or how how did you accommodate yourself to the fact this this kind of at the time rising young star had arrived, and you were clearly towards the the latter part of your career by that stage? Yeah, it was. Um, Jordan had come in, and like that, he had a promising start at uh, Spurs. Yeah. yeah. And for me, it was it was a really difficult time. Um, we just uh, I just lost my place as well with Ireland. We just got relegated, and it was that that was really a really difficult time for me. I just totally lost lost my confidence and lost my belief in, in my ability at the time. And I, I was hurt, you know, I was wounded. Yeah, yeah. And I I didn't find anyone. There wasn't anyone at the time that could actually uh, pick me up on that. And these things, it's like, as you said earlier on, these things are a roller coaster. You know, you're not going to perform at your, your maximum all the time. But when you're going through it, you don't actually see it. And But the one thing I always had was courage. You know, I always wore my heart in my sleeve. And I always had the, um, you know, that, that courage to, no matter how bad things were. And I, that was probably one of the things why I probably did do well at Millwall is because I, I, I didn't drop out or I didn't, you know, when things were getting hard, I didn't, you know, pull any injuries or anything. I always kept crossing that white line. I always kept turning up, you know, I kept yeah. in that attitude. Um, so then when Jordan came along, um, you know, Neil had some difficult choices to make. Um, he came into the club and like that, he probably wanted to put his stamp on it. 
I was a senior player and a key figure in it. And, um, you know, by, by taking me out of the team as well, it showed his authority as well, you know, that he was willing to come in and, and, and take on, you know, one of the one of the senior players. And, you know, it just seemed to work for him and it gave Jordan an opportunity. And like that, Jordan came in and I supported him and I backed him and I supported Neil and uh, in, in his job and his role. So it was, it was just a, it was a really, really hard time. You know, it was just, it was just so disappointing and it was so upset. You know, I was, I was really sad in how it ended. And I even think back to the game against um, Oxford in the League Cup, wasn't the League Cup? The John Johnson's point. Mm-hmm. Top. It, was a, yeah. it was a semi-final, wasn't it? In the, the, yeah, semi-final, yeah. And uh, the player cut in from the right and he's just kicked, I think it might have been a slow to medium ball, like, you know? Was yeah. A, yeah. Kind of, and I'm not joking here. It was like someone just pulled a, 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 a magic trick. It was like Paul Daniels just made the ball. Yeah. I don't know where they, I still picture it in my mind. I was like, where did that actually go? Next thing I'm turning around, it's gone under my legs and into the back of the net, like, and I was just thinking, Jesus, can things get much worse than that? Like, you know, so... That, that was really hard and uh, probably another thing was probably, you know, leaving the club as well where I never really got, I felt, the full opportunity to, um, you know, give thanks to the fans and give thanks to the club in, 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 in the correct way. Well, hopefully we can do that via this podcast. It's, it's, it's fantastic to talk about this kind of stuff because um, I, I agree. I mean, it was the following season, I mean, just doing some pre-interview checking and you, and you don't appear at all the following season. I think you left in in 2017 to go to um, to, to Portsmouth. No, you went to Port. Did you go to Portsmouth in 16, David? I mean, was it was it 16 you went to Portsmouth? Paul Cook. You're testing me now, lads. Oh, well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> 16 what, or 17. We won't get hung up on it. But you left. But, but going on going on loan was that important for you to try and sort of rebuild effectively? Because you know, as you said, you know, you'd struggled with the JPT. You'd struggled with the you know conceding those goals and then sort of. After that, you you lost your place. Was it important for you to go and play regular football somewhere else, or did were you content to potentially sit there, stay at stay at Millwall and just let it tick over? No, well, if if that was the case, I would have never went down to League Two football. For me, it was always about playing, and and I was wise enough as well to realise that you know I'm in my twilight years here. I think I was uh, 37 slash 38 coming at um down to Portsmouth and I just thought, you know what? What a great it was it reminded me very much as as the Millwall project at the start. You know, they were in a division, you know, technically or, you know, realistically they shouldn't be in. Um getting seventeen, eighteen thousand every week at, at League Two football is is sensational and an amazing football club. It's a big it's club. Like the Millwall in many ways. Yeah. And I just thought, you know what, this is just going to be a great challenge, a great opportunity. Paul Cook rang um, and he said, "Look, you fancy coming on loan?" And I just thought, "Yeah, I'd love, I'd love to come. I just want to play. I just love playing. I love playing football." Um, that's when I used to feel my freest. When I used to feel my best, I put on my kit. I was like Iron Man, you know. It just, it just brought me into a different <laughs> sense of security within myself. Once I put my shin pads on, it was like a, a ritual in itself. And once I crossed over that white line, it was, it was, it was great. It was great. And then to uh, get the opportunity to do that at Fratton Park and go on ultimately that year to um to win to win the league two title. What the disappointing thing was was that I get regained my confidence. I'd kept nineteen clean sheets and I actually came back thinking, right, 
there's still work to be done. I still have a lot of unfinished business at, at Millwall and I was ready to come back in and actually get my teeth stuck into it. But obviously the chairman and the manager had other ideas and that 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 was a bit of a sucker punch as well. Like, you know, that was a bitter pill to swallow, you know. But at least I had the courage to take me medicine. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Achtung! Mehlball. What point in a footballer's career do you start to think about what comes next, David? I mean, you know, you, you just made reference to going to clubs like Pompey and, and Cambridge quite late in your 30s. I mean, at what point in your career did you start to think, um, what am I going to do when this when the football packs up? Does it, does it, does it, does it dawn on you over time or, or, you know, how does it work? It's a constant. It's a constant because we're only as good as our, 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 our current contract. Yeah. All of a sudden you've got a year left, you're thinking two years, you're thinking, geez, what are we going to do after two years? I read a phenomenal statistic back in 2017 and the FA released it and they said 75 to 85 percent of footballers are one or five things. Gambling addicts, drug addicts, alcoholics, divorced or bankrupt. I myself, oh my God, so there's something fundamentally wrong here. And I don't want to be one of those stats. So probably about um, 10 years ago, I, I started to explore personal development, started exploring um meditation, started exploring different cultures, different philosophies, whether it was Vedantic texts, whether it was the Native Americans, South Americans. And it was just, it opened up a portal and a part of me that actually allowed me to uncover and discover certain parts of myself that laid hidden and dormant. So as I started to get into this, um, into into my personal development, uh, just, and, and like that serendipity had it, that I went down to Portsmouth and I spoke with um, my own mentor and he was like, look, you need to, um, it's something that might be worth you looking in towards, like, you know, in terms of coaching and mentoring and personal development, that's a really strong aspect. It's a, it's a real, you know, your personality and your character is so suited to that. And I thought, I was like, nah, it's not something I really want to do. And I looked at a couple of places or a few universities in London and they were all full time. I was like, well, that's not really possible. Mm-hmm. So it's strategically kind of set out in my mind is, right, 
I haven't got long left here. And I know a lot of players do that in terms of the coaching badges and management. And people have often said to me, oh, you'd be a good goalkeeping coach. You'd be a great manager. You'd be this and that. And I just never felt that was my path. That was that was my direction. I love working with people on, on, on an intimate level like that, on a one-to-one level, in terms of, you know, discovering what their ambitions is, what their goals are, what their motivations are, what they want to achieve. And like that, as, as, as using myself as a laboratory and uh, using myself as a, a, a lab rat as such over the last number of years, I started to find a pathway into it. And as I got down to Portsmouth, um, an email popped up on my laptop and it just said uh, University of Portsmouth uh, doing uh, executive coaching and um, uh, executive coaching and development. Um, and that was a certificate. And I just completed my master's um, probably three, four months ago. So I went back and did my master's and I went back and studied with the European Mentoring and Coaching Council and now a senior practitioner with them. So that was hugely fruitful for me because it started to, you know, every everything I've actually done in my career has been purposeful. And now all those things that have taught me through all those trials and tribulations is now I'm able to implement what I've learned and through those experiences and now through my studies, whether it's, you know, psychological dimensions, whether it's emotional well-being, and what football has taught me, that gift of what football has given me and what the gift of, you know, all those experiences with fans and football clubs, international things, is that now I can pass on um, that knowledge and that wisdom to, to people that want to work with me on, on a, either a one-to-one level or whether it's the team development letter, leadership skills, um, you know, the list, the, the list is... Uh, goes on, you know, and um, that's what I, I, you know, I'm doing something that I love doing now and I love what I do. So it was a, a total reinvention in terms of who I was and what I was. And But yet I still hold football so close to my heart. You know, it's something that I've always wanted to do since I was a young child. And, you know, I managed to live my dream. You know, I said all I ever wanted was to, to play for Ireland once. That was my dream. And I got to do it 24 times. And not only that, I wanted to play professional football I wanted to play in England and I got to do it like nearly 600 times which is phenomenal fantastic yeah so it's been, phenomenal. been an amazing time been an amazing amazing time so to be able to put that experience and now you know it's one thing having experience but having an ability to express it was something that I, I never really had so it was just about upskilling myself and, and um, polishing and polishing myself up like you know so it's been uh, it's been a, a very fruitful time we should probably plug your company name, David, before we close out the interview, shouldn't we? Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> um, I tell, I tell you, before before you plug it, before you plug it, David, um, I was, gonna, I was, I've got some questions, obviously, from the chaps, and uh, a couple have fired them on social media. As I was like, then you know, you can plug as much as you want after that if you fancy. <laughs> um, Nick, you can edit that bit I'll, out I'll, if you want. I'll, no, I'll stick it in the show notes. So we'll, we'll, we'll get you, the company you, name out there. Don't worry about that. We'll get the company name out. Um, Mickey Avery, our resident club shop guru, uh, asked, did you pay the fine for smoking the cigar in the Wembley changing room? <laughs> I didn't even know there was a fine. As I said, I'm with John. I'm with John on this one. John's got a fine. He's the chairman. He can look yeah. at it. But it wasn't for smoking cigars. <laughs> <laughs> Mickey also asked, did you get any stick for saving the penalty that Neil Harris took in the 2-0 away defeat at Bournemouth? Um, yeah, I did get a fair bit of stick, to be honest, yeah. yeah. And I, there, was a, there was a little part of me that actually enjoyed it, like, you know. But um, 
it was uh, I remember Neil coming in afterwards and he you know Neil and his, his stereotypically his World Cup boots on and his sleeves rolled up and stuff like you know and to be fair I never let it down I just keep dropping it in there even if I rang him I'd be saying what's happening lad um, Mike Mike Hayden also from our podcast asked uh, how much did you enjoy saving Jermaine Beckford's penalty at Ellen Road and uh, what prep did you do Jesus that was delightful that one lads I have to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> you just have to bring me back into it now. I can just actually picture it, like you know. <laughs> it was bittersweet because, like what I said, um, a few weeks beforehand, we just beat them on Sky, and he'd absolutely smash me into the mush and burst on me and cracked a few teeth and stuff, like you know. So um, to save that penalty was just a sweet. Yeah. You know, it was it was it was one of those saves where. Um, you know, you see penalties and people think, oh, it's a, you know, the keeper can never win, can they? Like, you know, I was at a height that you should have saved it and this goes on, like, you know, but it was proper in the bottom right-hand corner and I still don't know how I saved it today. And <laughs> as well, we, we, we had done our preparation and um, that, that season and um, the work we did with Tony Burns and Adrian Wisson as well, the kit man, geez, I loved Adrian and I know his health isn't well at the moment and all that. And, I was speaking to him a couple of weeks ago. So if he's listening, Adrian, I love you to bits, brother, and get well soon. And um, we, Adrian used to have, um, he used to watch every Saturday. This man's an absolute mill wall, not like an absolute mill wall. <laughs> he was the first person that actually drove me from Paddington train station when I came down from Cardiff all the way through London, showed me the sights and scenes, brought me past the den, brought me all the way down through the suburbs and down to the training ground and, and back again, like, you know, so... Adrian has been uh, a huge part of me and a huge part of Millwall, and he just loves Millwall. So every Saturday, um, he'd go and watch all the games, watch all the goals, and he'd a little black book. He'd a little black book with all the penalties, who took penalties, who took things. <laughs> every game, we were, I was like, where's the black book, lad? I was like, if you lose that, you better lock that in a safe, lad. That's gold dust. So um, we, we had this kind of, um, how we used to work it was, uh, in one of the games, he was pointing at me for one of the sides to go, right? But then I couldn't actually tell that he had actually pointed to my right, but as he's facing me, that's my left, but he actually meant Lauren <laughs> <laughs> And then um, he managed to fix it out, so I just said to him quite simply, I said, Adrian, you just face the way I'm facing, and I can't either way. And I remember just seeing his big hand pointing to the right up at Ellen Road and I right, right, I'm trusting this here and I'm going to go with it. Like, you know, so it was a great bit of teamwork all around. Who's the um, best player you played with at Millwall, David? Who would you choose as your best, the, the best player? Ooh. Hard one. Oh, that's a hard I hate, I hate those questions because it actually... <laughs> that's what we ask them. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's one of them where my brain just goes into, like, I could just feel my brain squeezing. <laughs> best player at Millwall. Um hmm. Well, best player, best player of Ireland. Start you off um, with a wider. I go, I go with Millwall. I, th- I think for me, um, it was great during those times when when Steve Morrison was there, when he was in, um, when he was in his pump that season. He was top class. Um, Chris Woods was an excellent centre forward as well. Yes, he was. Uh, yeah. And I'm trying to think. Um, I'm open to suggestions. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you chose two good players there, and I wouldn't argue with either one of them to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, t- I'll tell you what, my, my, my last one, my last sort of um, quick-fire one for you is actually from Cole at Brenchley Line, who tweeted in saying, what does he consider to be his best performance in a wool shirt, Dave? So uh, you can have a think about that one. Oh, yeah, Jesus. My best performance in a Millwall shirt. There wasn't many of them, but um, one that's coming to my mind was Blackburn away. 
we beat them, I think, was it 1 0 or 2 0? Yeah. At Ewood Park. Um, just trying to think. Trying to think. Had some good games against Leeds. Uh, there's some some great saves. There's some great um, kind of reels. David Ford's greatest saves on YouTube. If any listeners want to check that out, it's well worth a, a look. There's one you make where you kind of uh, that might be in a Blackburn actually. You kind of get running backwards and get it almost from underneath the bar and put it over. It's like a looping kind of yeah, shot. Yeah, Wigan. That was Wigan. It was yeah. Wigan. Yeah, Wigan. Wigan. Yeah, that was a, that was great, a great save. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's one of them where do you know what I mean. When, you, when you, there's actually so many, it's like. It's like throwing a, a, a pebble into the water, like you know, it starts to ripple, and then all of a sudden, these all these games, and it's hard to actually figure out which game was which, like you know. I'll, I'll edit this to make it sound like you knew it instantly. <laughs> <laughs> plug it, Dave. Plug it. Tell us what we where we can find you, what you're doing, everything. Plug it. Go. Yeah. So run a coaching, mentoring, a person development company, working with um, leadership skills, team development, and uh, one-to-ones in terms of people who want to um, get ahead and achieve their goals and dreams. So we um, like that. It's uh, The name of the company is Pathfinder Coaching and Development. You can find us on www.pcd.ie or else you can connect on uh, either LinkedIn or on my personal Twitter page or even Facebook. So like that, it would be, it'd be great to hear from you. And if you're willing to uh, work on that, it would be great to hear from you. Super, 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 super quickly because I know Nick's got very little battery left. Um, thoughts on how Gary Rowett's getting on, and of course the goalkeeping situation. Bart Bielkowski is 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 an absolute revelation. The guy is so loved at the Den. Um, do, do you keep an eye on things? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the manager's done fantastic since he came in. It looked like there the the club had dropped off to like five points off it. You know, it looked like mm-hmm. his initial his initial um, impact had just waned. And now all of a sudden, after that little blip, we seem to have got hold of it again. And I, I definitely feel we can um, definitely push for the playoffs. I think we won't be far off it neither. And, and you know, the law of averages, we have to crack at some stage, lad. You know what I mean? We have to. <laughs> you know, so um, when, when Bart signed, I was actually surprised because um, I was surprised Millwall actually got him, to be honest, because he's a fantastic goalkeeper. I yeah, great goalkeeper. Great goalkeeper. Um, I was even surprised Southampton let, let him go years ago, and he'd done fantastic at, uh, at Ipswich and stuff. And, and like that as well, it's um, he's he's, t- he's like a duck to water at the club. Like, you know, some, some of the saves I've been watching him make and some of the performances I've seen him playing, it's just a, it's a pleasure to see him um, perform. And it's great. And it's great that he's carrying on that tradition of um, great Millwall goalkeepers. He is absolutely fantastic. Uh, David Ford, you are absolutely fantastic as well. World class. Thank you so much for joining us on uh, Actung Mill. It's at David underscore Ford one. If you want to get hold of him on uh, on Twitter, pcd.ie is the website to go to um, to touch base with David. Uh, I know I certainly will be, Dave. Um, it, it's been an absolute pleasure ha- having you on it. Keep safe as well, pal. Make sure yeah. you're, uh, you're keeping Ooh. safe wherever you are. Yeah. Stay at home. And um and, and 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 let's carry on the fight, pal. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, be well, go safe, and uh, love to all the Millwall fans, you know. And um, I'm sure it's going to when everything gets up and running, we're all going to be back down the den, and hopefully we can make it a season that's going to be a memorable one. 
Fantastic stuff. Thank you very David much, David Ford. Thanks, gentlemen. Thank you so much, David Ford. Uh, thanks for tuning in to us on Acton Well. I'm sure Nick will be back with some more bits and pieces this week. Make sure you stick around with us across uh, all the uh, podcast platforms and uh, and catch up with the content that we are desperately trying to regurgitate. Believe me, we are for your listening pleasure. <laughs> Until next time, uh, bye for now. Bye for now. Achtung Millwall and the Real Millwall Fan Show are the number one Millwall podcast and we want to hear from you. So get in touch with us. Let us know your thoughts, your views, your rants about all things Millwall. We've got email, achtungmillwall at gmail.com. All one word, achtungmillwall at gmail.com. You can get in touch with us and leave us a voicemail on 0208 144 0232. That's 0208 144 0232 leave us a voicemail no human will be involved in the receipt of your message so give us a shout tell us what you think about all things Millwall and the best messages will be read out on air Achtung Mehlball deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.